Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good morning. Um, We are (laughs) actually, uh, Stephanie's trying to prepare for family and stuff uh, that's coming in. And and last minute said she's got too much to do. I got a bunch to do too now. My text box is filling up, so Uh-oh. whenever, whenever I leave here, the the uh, I'll be running some errands. But uh, so Stephanie is out. Yeah, and Thaddeus is in. Trey's in. Rocking the house. Right. Graduation weekend. Yes. For uh, for Grayson. For Grayson. Yeah, which is number three to graduate, and then then it's gonna be off and on graduations at different places for a while, and then. And then weddings, and pretty soon, uh, you know. Maybe an ordinational slip in there at some that point. Would be, that would be nice. God willing, you know, who knows? But um, I think I got, we've got uh, a few that, are, hopefully they're all open to it. But anyway, let's we start with our prayer. Let's begin with the prayer. In the name of the Father, Lord, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Spirit amen. amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become, for each successive generation, a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love with the Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II. Pray for us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so um I guess actually it's gonna sound funny because it's being this actually is being taped because graduation will have already occurred at this at the point. Uh when you're hearing it, it'll have already happened. It'll have already happened. But right yeah. now we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen, other than there's a lot of family coming because my nephew's graduating and and it's gonna be, you know cash and fun. But anyway, um, so today I think, you know, we, we'd originally talked about the fact that this, this upcoming feast or solemnity, which is the, which is usually the second, um, one ordinary time this past Sunday was, um, well, from where we're speaking right now was Trinity Sunday. And then this next one is going to be on Corpus Christi Sunday on the body of Christ. And, we kind of thought that that was um, that would be something that would that we could springboard off of because we've tried to make this show about the fact that holiness, our vocation, to be a parent, to be a husband, to be a wife, happens concretely in and through the body. It happens in the day to day actions, and it's made manifest in the way. That we handle things. I mean, I you know, yesterday had quite a few things going on, and when Steph got home, she was in a good mood, and I wasn't because somebody had come to fix the air conditioner and had made it worse, and I was a little bit freaking out. So I start getting hot, you know, hot. So that that never makes physically me, and emotionally, physically and emotionally, and then had another person come to work on something and gave them the key to the upstairs and they left with that. Uh-huh. Even though I had mentioned it, but I'd forgotten before he left to give me the key to the to the attic. It's no Wait, they no walked th- out with the key? No threat. It's to the, I mean it's not like they can't get it, they can get in the house. It's not it's just the 
having to follow. Yeah, you got to follow <laughs> up on that. You got to follow now. up on that deal. And so all that stuff happens. I mean, and, and so when she came home, I mean, I'm pacing. I mean, I, I, I did my steps yesterday going back, you know, either on the phone or texting or whatever. And Thaddeus brought to my attention um, an article today that I think at least is something that I could have used yesterday or at least have attempted to use yesterday because we don't often think about the impact that we have by our, how our reactions and how much something that happens outside of our relationships impacts how we treat other people. It took me probably two hours to unwind. Whoa. Well, first off, you know, thank God, the, the God sends nice people. Like the, the, the person who was sent back out was a young man. He was very nice. It was hard to get even start to be angry, very apologetic, yeah. Yeah. very knowledgeable. And he had it fixed in moments, you know, and he was like, hey, you need me to go check anything else out? I mean, he was just, so that just totally diffused me. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy responded to a text saying, hey, I'm out of town, but I'll be back on Friday. Can I run it by? Anyway, it took that for me to to unwind enough to actually begin to treat my, my family like like real people. <laughs> <laughs> like they deserve to be treated. So, you know, the confessions of a mad father. Um, there's maybe a movie there or something. I am like that. that, too. I get that way, too. But, but you, I mean, and then you kind of sit back and you go, Dad, I mean, that's awful because they had nothing to do with any of it. I mean, they just happened to be in my way. Um, and I think, you know, what you had sent me is is the rule. So I did not. I was not a very good, number one, I didn't bear my minimal suffering I mean, when you think about it, <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it could have been 100 degrees in the house. It was 78, not 74, like I wanted it. Um, but your shirt was damp. But yeah, I was damp. Well, and of course, it didn't help that I was pacing because I couldn't, I couldn't calm down because I was, you know, walking around saying, "Why don't people just do their job? I don't have time for people not to do their job." <laughs> I mean, uh, so anyway, it's it's just an overreaction to something that's not. Uh, that you know what's that important. interesting to me, I. I I don't think I've ever seen you angry or uh, you just fired up about oh man that's you know something. Yet there are all these stories that circulate between you and Stephanie about I, well, how legit, I'm, I'm that Irish. is part of your you know your your temperament. It is. It is part of my temperament, and you know the the secrets out. <laughs> but uh, you know we joke my you know and it comes from it, and we call it the cash and rage. All of us have the have that my my dad and I'm sure my my grandfather probably before that we have and that's not a good thing I'm not this is not like hey this is good stuff it's just the reality is you know uh, you know confession I'm patient when it's convenient for me to be patient right (laughs) which means it's not a test of my patience it's when when things don't happen like I want and you know, I'll probably be much better around other people. My family, you know, I think, you know, all parents need to recognize this. You know, we always wonder, you know, our kids, I frequently hear about how great our kids are at, you know, at other people's houses, but then we see the worst at our house. Well, the reality is, is that's just a function of being comfortable around enough around that. And I think it's a function of being comfortable enough to just whatever I'm feeling, whatever I'm going to let it come out. I'm not saying it's right. I would control that more frequently in front of uh, around here. Now, you might be able to tell I'm agitated, but I might not express it quite the way I was expressing it yesterday. I mean, I don't, I don't cuss or, or throw things most of the time. Not and, anymore. <laughs> not, not too much anymore. But, uh, but, but, I, but I do – I know I'm noticeably – uh, hostile or, you know, and, and it's not directed at the people, but the bottom line is they get kind of the way people can pick up that they get okay, the wake I of don't it. Wanna... And if somebody says, are you okay? No, I'm not okay. I'm so, stay out of trade. Well, yeah. right <laughs> but anyway, um, something so like you said, it took you about two hours to get unwound. Unwound and then it was fine. It was fine. And then you feel like, Oh, dad gum. I mean, why did I, that was two hours wasted. It impacted, it, it, it positively impacted nothing other than, me thinking it made me feel better. Well, I mean, maybe it 
Maybe it got the company to send somebody else out because they could well, tell you. Well, I mean, hypothetically, agitated. it's possible that that person did know I was agitated because I think I used incompetent <laughs> or something in the in in the thing, which I, sh- you know, again, whoever. I see came your underarms are, are wet, Mister yeah. Cashin. Um, but I'm he was like, "I'll be right out there real quickly," and he and he was very apologetic. I right. mean, he said everything that I was thinking of them, like you know, we've breached trust if we send somebody out here and actually got worse you know just he said everything right in fact i texted i texted his boss and just said just by the way just by the way that's good he was awesome (laughs) you know and that's a kid probably i'm guessing i don't know he's probably 25 he may not even been that old but um professionalism can make a real big difference and 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 again this actually gets to the point as well the way he came in, there was there was there was humility coupled with enthusiasm. You know, it's like I'm going to get this taken care of. Don't do not worry about it. I know we've breached your trust. We're going to make this right, and you know, and I understand your concerns. And anyway, he did. He pushed all the right buttons. I think that's because naturally how he was. It's not something you train somebody. Yeah. You know, you sit there and 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 you get into corporate stuff and and you and there are things that like they really have to teach people this stuff. I mean, um, but I just so impressed by the guy, young guy, you know, long hair with a with a beard, but just very joyful, enthusiastic, apologetic, everything that made that totally diffused the situation. But again, that's that's a person who knew the situation he was walking into and whether he knew this or not, what he was doing was manifesting everything that I needed in that moment, which was a certain level of calmness. Hey, this is going to be handled. I understand you're upset. We're going to get this fixed a certain level of joy. So it wasn't just, it wasn't, he just, he had a smile when he said it and you know, just open humility saying, hey, we messed up and, and we're sorry and we 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 take seriously the trust you uh, give to us. Everything about him exuded that. And just when he walked in, he was that way. I had told him, and this is just the, the, the exclamation point to the end, he gets it all fixed. Everything's fine. You can tell the air is going to be, be going fine. And I had told him, look, a man just left – with the key to upstairs. This is my only set of keys to the attic upstairs. Please do not leave with these. I'm going to give them to you because I know you got to get up there. So he walks out and I mean, literally 30 seconds later, bam, bam, bam. Did I give you back your keys? And I said, yes, by the way, you did give back the keys. He goes, I was freaking out that, I mean, you told me not to do it. But everything about him was thoughtfulness. Everything about him was, I care about you. Everything about him was joy. And other it changed. Fo- other focused. Other, other focused. Focus. Com- he was concerned, about, concerned the about the other person. You know, he may not know anything about theology of the body. He may not, he, he may, or, I, I, my, my guess is he was a, he is a Christian guy just by some of the things he said, but he exuded what Christians should manifest, what I should manifest even when I have a bad day, (laughs) Uh, particularly towards people I love, but regardless of whether it's people I love with the people I come in contact with. And, you know, that was exactly two things back to back that, that, that both his way of dealing with a situation and then, my confronting directly my previous you know hour and a half or two of my dealing with a situation um, really convicted me. I guess is what I'm saying. It was like you know goodness, and then and then Thaddeus, as if prompted by someone beside himself, you know sends sends this article, <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I uh, but anyway. He, I don't even, who did, who does, who does the, who, I'm, I'm sorry. I read the article. I just can't remember who, where'd you, where'd you get Okay. It? So this is from, um, a site called Alatea. That's how I, that's how I pronounce it. A-L-E-T-E-I-A.org. I think you found some articles. I have. I, I, I like it quite a lot. 
Um, and it's a, you get articles from authors who are not Americans. So you get sort of a, it's, it's a nice perspective on the universal church. Okay. So for instance, this article is translated into English from, uh, a young lady in young woman in Poland. Oh, wow. Um, Katarina Wyszynska. And so the title of the, what, what grabbed my attention was, I stopped doing this one little thing every day and it strengthened my marriage. Wow. Nice title. Hey, that's nice hey title. man, come on. <laughs> one that's little thing. That's my kind of technique. <laughs> one little thing. What a nugget. And I'm going to be stronger? Marriage? All right, let yeah. me check this out. Um, but I think it fits into what I just talked it, it very about. Very much, it makes, uh, very much so does. Um, but it's also nice because it shows that the wife can be that way too. It's not just it's not just the man that that right dis, you know displays these attributes. So she she tells kind of the story of her marriage and family is she, her husband worked late, uh, frequently would call and say I got I have to work late. I'm not going to be so he worked late regularly and he also had times where he was going to be home on a normal time. And then he had to say, I can't, I got to work late. And, you know, she, they got into this pattern where he would come home and she would just lay into him about, you're not taking care of yourself. You're not being attentive to me and the children. And there's all these things and da 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 just yeah. reading him the riot act when he, when he got home, basically. Until, one evening, she was in the midst of a, a craft project with her children at home, very much enjoying it, loving it. And he walks in and she kind of looks up from being involved in this enjoyable activity, smiles at him. Um, she says around 1 a.m. she was up. The, the kids weren't still up, but right. she was still up doing stuff involved regarding to it. Um Still in a fantastic mood, I welcomed my husband home with a radiant smile, lifting my eyes from my work. One glance at him was enough to completely catch my attention and even dim my slightly amazing mood. I saw my husband change completely, and it shocked me. As I watched, his tight muscles relaxed. His somber expression was replaced by a sigh of relief and words of gratitude. So they uh, they set out on this... Um, resolution right at the beginning of advent it just happened that it was at the, at the beginning of advent she relates that when someone returns home everyone at home greets him or her at the door with hugs and kiss hugs and kisses and she points out that you know for the children their young children that's not so hard because they still naturally you know run and, that, right? and hug and squeal and laugh and everything like that. But it's it's very much a, has to be conscious between the two of them. Uh, she said, it's been a year since we made this house rule. I admit that sometimes the welcoming smile looks more like a sour grin, <laughs> but we keep doing it. We are sticking to our decision because we know how much good comes out of it. Um so that's that's kind of the article in a nutshell. I think I think I, there's several things I gleaned from that. One is in both cases the circumstances she she accidentally stumbles into realizing this or providentially mm -hmm. because in all cases, including that, the circumstances actually. I mean, typically she wasn't up late doing something she was enjoying, so she was. She was upset because the circumstance dictated that. So this one actually had a a good circumstance that overrode that. And so her response was not really as conscious as it was just a response out of where she found herself. So it was accidental. But I would say it's providential, and that's why you have I to so you too. have to you have to you have to look for those moments when God reveals something to you that may happen accidentally. And it's as simple as that. To that's a grace moment, honestly, for her to recognize, to even recognize that something changed about her husband in that moment. That's why I think it's so good to talk about things like this because I think we miss frequently God's little hints, his little nudges, you know, his little moments of saying, "Hey, you might want to check this out." So, I think first off. 
we need to recognize that it was it was almost accidental and as a result of that accidental happiness and that smile she became aware of something and that impacted the other person and things can be accidental to our uh, right. it our mind for uh, at first glance and then the when we ponder them again when we re- review them in our mind then we can see God's hand the, God's hand in it that they're providential yeah right and so that's the case and then recognize even the fact that she recognizes that something has changed mm-hmm and 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 even beyond that begins to act well what what did i do differently <laughs> in that moment all of that's gr- the grace of the sacrament all, all of that's the grace of the sacrament we have to start thinking like that as good catholic christians struggling to be better spouses yeah and and i want wanted to say something um, kind of bold, which struck me in this article, was I think that I think that a you know a secular married couple here and there, right, sporadically, they probably could, they maybe could do this, maybe they could do that consistently, but I don't think I, I honestly don't think in general as a general rule for society that you can really expect that out of a married couple consistently without the grace of the sacrament. That, that's just so against human nature and human yeah. proclivity that, to say, because that's an act of the will. That's, that's a deciding to, I'm going to smile at him, hug him when he comes home. Even if we had a disagreement on the phone or a spat on the phone, right. we're going to still start the time when he gets home or when I get home this way. That is an act of the will. That is love. Well, that was the other thing I was going to say is that, that you got to notice that what, what they've tried to, well, not what they've done is what we should all ultimately do, which is, you know, emotions happen. <laughs> right. There, there's, there are things, passions, spur up as a result of a certain thing that that's that's normal that's going to happen it's what you do with them i chewed on mine for quite a bit yesterday <laughs> i there was a certain amount of enjoyment i guess i don't know what it was but something that made me hold on to this um father david bishop david connor was my spiritual director and he used to say that there are certain times when you would get angry that that he he likens it to almost like lust in terms of like you want to hold on to something just because it makes you feel good or it makes you you know it's it's not because it's the right thing to do it's just because there's something about holding on to that anger mm-hmm. there's something about fascinating and you know thinking about in your head how you're going to respond to somebody when you get them on the phone you know we've all I right. think all of us have done that before it's the act of the will in the face of that, to say, I'm not going to let this. And again, I failed miserably at this yesterday. The, the entirety of my, the way I treated other people in that house was based on the external, what was going on. The reason I calmed down is everybody responded the way I wanted to res- wanted them to respond. Not because I willed, okay, I need to not do this. Even though my wife and even though one of my daughters we're saying, you know, Trey, Dad. I mean, what can I do to help? You're obviously stressed out. You need to calm. You need to calm down. What can I do to make it better? They were doing that, and I was nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, at some point, the dignity that we have is is based on recognizing the fact that emotions and passions have happened. Those are that you can't. We're not to become stoic in the sense that, like, just totally dismiss that. It just, it happens. If you're Irish or Cajun like my wife, you know, we have moments where that, where that, where that's just part of who we are. However, our response to that is something that we can will. And the thing I like about this, this is a simple, this is a very simple, I am going to practice this because it's the right thing to do. No matter what circumstances I find myself, I'm going to will myself to show the love I have for another through outward 
signs, you know, a hug, a kiss, a smile, whatever. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where living a Christian marriage or living a healthy marriage happens. See, that's, that, all that is is, how much is that? It's a minute, maybe, of your, of your day. But it can change everything simply because you're overriding whatever circumstances in which you fi- you're finding yourself. You're overriding that and saying, I'm going to will this. I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to smile. I'm going to give a hug, a kiss, greet the person and say, I'm glad you're home. That's how simple, yet how difficult, simple in terms of concept, it's the little things that make up most of our life, and those are the little challenges that we can just say. I mean, even if you're in a bad mood, can you not take a minute? I'm I'm talking to myself here. Can you not take a minute or two and say, I'm going to will this no matter what what, what state of mind I find myself in? I'm going to say, for this moment, I'm going to stop responding to the way I feel and treating people based on the circumstances and feelings I have going on in my head right now. And I'm just going to say, you're the most important thing right now, at least for this minute. That is such a Christian way. And like you said, I think the problem is, is I don't think we as humans can will that time after time after time without a sense of not only the dignity of the other person, that there, there is Jesus. You know, that person walking through the door at that moment is Jesus. That person greeting, greeting me at the door is Jesus. That, that, that takes that. But I think willpower is overrated. <laughs> I, don't, I think that we tend to think we can do this. If we live in a selfish, what's in it for me? What do I get out of it? How does it make me feel? If if it's still pointed back at me, but I'm going to do it anyway, then I think that's where you get in trouble over time is you can't will it over time, over time. I would say that I would add the fact that you should pray. You should be praying as you – that should be a moment of prayer. You know, I've, I've told the story about the fact that when Stephanie and I first got married, one of the biggest fights we had is the, is the fact that the little green tags, you know, on a, on a um, dry cleaning – you know, I, mm-hmm. I, go figure that those belong in the trash can. <laughs> she, she, one of the bigger fights we had was, was like, these green things, they don't belong on the counter or on the dresser. When you take them off, would you please put them in the, and we talk about the fact that that was one of the bigger fights we ever had as a, as a young married couple over something that small. And yet now, even today, when I f- take off that green tag, because of that, I'll say a prayer for her. <laughs> because of remembering that moment when I pick, I picked one up this morning that I had, I don't know how it ended up on the floor. I must've dropped it, but I was like, Oh good. And she didn't see it. <laughs> you know. And I put it in and I said, okay, Lord bless her this day. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. So again, it can be tied into kind of this little flower mentality, this, these small acts of love and kindness tied into some sort of prayer I'm, I'm going to think. So tie it to a something that happens on a regular basis. It can be, you know, for me, when there was nothing else going on, it was the ding of a every hour, you know. When the, when the clock struck, I was going to stop for a second and just say, thank you, Lord, what do I need to do, thank, you know, whatever. But you can tie it to things like this. Like everybody comes home at some point. Right. And if you're there <laughs> – Make this one of those moments. Thank you, Lord, for bringing them home safely. Greet them with a smile, give them a hug, and then go back and do what you got to do. But you're just taking that moment. I think if we just string those moments together, I mean, I I would venture to say, and there's no science behind this, but, I mean, if you just did one act like this an hour during the time you're awake, I think you'd ch- your, your, your family, with the help of God's grace, would change infinitely. I mean, to have something that, that, that makes you think, I'm going to take the focus off of myself, whatever I'm in, focus on another person, take a moment to think about God. And what is that? Well, in this case, 
It's when a person comes into the door, you know, comes, comes home. But it could be any number of things. When a kid asks for help with homework, you know, or uh, when somebody says, hey, you know, can you take the trash out or whatever it is. You know, I just think that we have to have these little reminders that happen every day. And what it does is it makes us remember that it is those everyday little things that make up most days. I think some things that are important about the what she decided to do and, and that rule that they came up with are um, it symbolizes a turning away from a kind of an attitude of taking for granted, a culture of taking one another for granted, you know, that, okay, you know, you're finally home. Now we can, you know, you can, now you can help me with what, with what I'm going through or likewise, um, the person coming home, he gets a visible, um, symbol that, uh, you're, you're home now. You're not at the office. You're at a place where people love you and they care about you. Right. No matter what you've accomplished today, what you've done for me lately, it's that you're a part of this family. So it's, a, it's also a very palpable reuniting of the family and, a, and an honoring of the family as one, as a unit, as a unity. Right. And again, it happens as an act of the will. But I think you're, I think you're, everything about it is pointing to I've got to get away from looking at my circumstances and yeah. what's important to me and, and what's bothering me and what are you doing to help me and just saying, at least for a moment, I'm concerned about you. I'm happy that you're home. I'm happy. That you're welcome. I'm happy to see you at home when I get home. I mean, both both ways. It's not just it's not just that. A child the same way when they come when they come in. And and I I guess what prompted me, I mean, it was the timing given the circumstances for me, you know, was was uh well, maybe providential, I don't know. But the bottom line is is that I think that if we can challenge one another to recognize that that the way things happen is in the small things and you have to engage the will and i think part of engaging the will is you have to have those moments if you think about it even the church does this i mean what's a sunday it, it enge- you have to engage the will i'm going to mass right right i mean what is a meal time you you have to engage the will now's the time to say a prayer you know, at bedtime, now's the time to say a prayer. <laughs> you know, we have those things that the church gives us as triggers to make us say, okay, we need to stop. We could just do what we're doing. We could just begin to eat. We could just go to bed. But we are consciously prompted to say, you know, we need to thank God for this day. We need to thank God for this food. We need to do whatever. Well, all, all I think this is, is an extension of that as part of the family being kind of a, a outward sign of what the church is. There are events during the day that we need to recognize Jesus in the other person. We need to think about what we're grateful for because the reality is my mom drilled this in and to, to a fault, I think, the fact that you, you know, and, I, and my kids and my wife will, will say that I'm, I, I can get Another place where it is when people don't show up when they're supposed to show up, they're not where they are. I come to find out, I've learned from my dad that that my mom, my mom was having my older my my number two brother, my brother that's just under me, Jared, and she was so sick and in the hospital for so long that I was gone, and so I I never saw her. So I've, I've apparently for most of my life I've had this when people aren't where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there, I overreact sometime. But it tied with that was my mom always said, you don't ever know the last moment that you're going to see somebody. Mm-hmm. And so no matter, she always, she said, it doesn't matter if I'm, if you're mad at somebody or whatever, you can say, I don't like you. I love you. We're going to talk about this tomorrow, but it always ended with, and that's the way I was. My mom said, will bedtime was a time when it, you didn't have to solve the problem. You didn't have to 
agree with what it was, but if there was an argument going on, it was time to go to bed. When you went to bed, you could say, I disagree with you. I'm not very happy with you, but I love you. But you had to say that. When you left to go wherever you were going, that was a moment, a moment when you had to let go of whatever it was or whatever it is and say, I need to recognize the most important thing is the relationship I have with you. And regardless of where we find ourselves now, you're important to me. You're loved, regardless of where we find ourselves. And she drilled that into my head so much that, you know, one of Stephanie and I's first, <laughs> first arguments lasted a whole night. And we had to, I mean, like, until the sun came up um, because I wouldn't let her sleep and until we resolved it, we never did resolve it. Mm. But since then we've, we've, we've set up some guidelines, but my point is I think the church gives us that. I think that we as families have to have those moments where we say that's a trigger that says we got to stop what we're doing and recognize the other. They should be multiple times during that when they leave for school. When they leave, I think that's a that is a good. I think thing. it's I think it's interesting too that this article and we're talking about this on. Now you're not listening to it on this day, but we're talking about it on this day, which is the visitation of Mary to Elizabeth. Yes, and that's interesting that it's on a feast day, which is about arriving at the home, about greeting. Yes, at the home, and that. We're having this conversation on that. On That's that probably day. providential. Not even I, I hadn't thought about that. But um, I, so, what a you know that's always such a beautiful. It's a it's a mystery of the rosary, um, and it's gosh, it's a really popular scene in church art. But when you said the church gives us this, I mean, yeah, we even have a we have a feast on the the calendar about arriving at the domicile and that's true. greeting one another. I and, don't think that's accidental either. Uh, Mary sings a hymn because she's so happy to see um, right, and the baby's Elizabeth. Like, everybody acknowledges everybody. Everyone acknowledges everyone's presence. Right, the, even the babies in the womb uh, right. acknowledge the presence of the other. Mm-hmm. That's, again, this is Christian. The reason that we have those, the 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 rosary and and those is to contemplate those type of things. But at that moment, you know, the, her voice gets to, to St. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, St. Elizabeth responds to her, immediately stops whatever she's doing. Right. Responds to her. The baby, the the baby actually responded, John the Baptist in her womb responded even before upon hearing her voice and says that, and you got to assume that Jesus. Well, we, we not assume. We know Jesus was there and heard and heard that as well at that moment. But I think that's a great. Today's a great day to be talking about this. And Jesus, by His very presence, cleansed John of his original sin yeah. in yeah. the womb of his mother. So, and that's that's the first. That's was the first miracle of of Jesus. So, um, but anyway, I. We've tried to make this show about this. I hadn't really thought much about the fact that, that of what this would mean, but, but what it does mean is we have moments every day in our lives, whether it's at work or at home or whatever, when we can just take a moment and will, like you said, in the in the midst of whatever I'm doing, I could be in the middle of a project I got to get done. I could be, I want to get this done so I can do this. Whatever it is to actually have those triggers to where I'm going to stop. And I, you know, I can think of multiple things right now that I think I, not I think. I mean, I know I need to work on, but I think could be good triggers. I think it's what they've done is they've operationalized it, or they've they've, they've said this is what we're going to do. I think each of us can can say that, and you can just pick. I mean, I don't know how many times I'm in my in my house, and a child will walk in, you know, and I'm in the middle of doing something else. I think what I'm going to do is try to make 
a resolution myself that when somebody does come in, I'm gonna whatever I'm gonna do, I'm gonna stop, and even just for thirty seconds, look them in the eye and say, "Hey, how are you doing? Everything going all right? Glad you're home." I mean, that takes no time. I mean, and in most cases, any of the kids are like, "Hey, I'm home. I got something to do." <laughs> you know, they've got something to do. Mm-hmm. But if I can engage them. I mean, how many times does that happen in a day? Uh, three or four times? I mean, with me, you know, maybe eight. I mean, it's just – it's not even ten minutes out of my day to make that moment. And you might – and I think this is important too. We've talked about the fact about a culture of kind of being available, you know, mm-hmm. and needing to have your kids know you're available. And if every time they walked into a room – most of the time, nothing's going on. Hey, I'm great. Thanks, Dad. Appreciate it. <laughs> I got to go, whatever. Just think about it. There might be that one time when you catch in their eyes that maybe things aren't okay or maybe they're really excited about something. And then you've got to extend it beyond that. But it makes that, it makes you available, it makes you attentive. It again is being purposeful and intentional about what you're doing. You're saying, I'm going to do this for this purpose because that person matters more than whatever it is I'm doing right now, no matter what it is. But you have to do it before because you can coast through life. I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I you can coast and kind of just go and then where the heck did the day go? And, yeah. I, and I think, you know, we have to have those touchstones, those moments, those times when we – in in for the purpose of building this culture of availability, if our kids knew that every time they walked in a room that they were going to get looked at, that that maybe they were going to get st- st- stood up and talked to, maybe hey, I'm gonna I want to hug you, look them in the eye and say, hey, how's it going? Glad you're home, and then see what happens. Most of the time, they're probably going to say, I'm chill, Dad. Nobody. <laughs> Today was tonight was fun. I'm tired. I got to go to bed. Whatever it is, but you might be surprised if you do that as a habit about the conversations that might happen that they may have wanted to start. But if you're in the middle of watching this or doing that, they're going to say, as I've said before, they're going to say, "Hey, you know what? I'd like to talk to them, but they look busy, so you know I'm not." And then that opportunity, they can shove whatever that is down there and it'll never come up again. So I think that's another way of building that a culture, kind of making yourself available. Yeah. So anyway. I think that's true. And I, I have to uh, also add that this kind of, all these kinds of things and this ver- kind of this variation on this theme, it all comes back to the inside of the theology, the body oh, that yeah. we're embodied souls and we communicate love through our bodies. Now, you know, typically we think that most typically comes out in sexuality and our sexual powers, right. but it's, it's in everything. Absolutely. And and that's, I think what's happened is, is John Paul II has, has, has used sexuality to show what it is, but I don't think he ever limited it to sexuality. And I think what's happened is, is because it was grasped on it. It was such a a, a great expression and ability to explain something difficult um, and understand something for what for what it is. But it, we have to remember that it extends to every every aspect of who we are as a human. We're embodied spirits, embodied souls. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah. So I, I think I think that um that that's where I want the extension of it. That's why I think like we're gonna have Monica Ashour and she's she's done that before. But I think that really the foundation of the mystery of parenthood for us was the theology of the body. Not only because of the the, the but the, the parenthood comes from that, but then beyond that, it is the fact that we the rubber meets the road, so to speak in the everyday stuff and it, 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 it enters and it gets expressed to other people through a smile, through a kind word, through, 
through a hug, through a touch, through a knowing glance, like, hey, you know, everything's going to be okay. Whatever it is, through showing up at a play, I mean, your body being there, you can't just say, I love you. And, and leave it at that. Love looks a certain way. Love means I'm giving myself to this. Love means I'm choosing to put my body in the presence of you because I love you among all the other options that I have. I could be doing a multitude of things. I think it's important, by the way, not to like hang it over the kids. And maybe the best way to express it is to when the kids do something – where they make themselves available to you to show them, to talk to them through the fact that, hey, the fact that you're here doing what you're doing means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And to begin to articulate to them that really the way you show that you love somebody is by being present to somebody, not just by saying it and not by having it in moments, but having having some understanding of, of I'm here Always in this moment that I'm choosing to be with you now is just a, a representation of the way I feel about you. So I'm going to be at a baseball game, you know, because like we, we talk about like the fact freedom and that we need to do this. And, and, I, and sometimes with my kids, I've said, let me, th- this is going to bother you, but I'm going to say, do you think that I might have something else I might among the options like to do other than watching you practice baseball. <laughs> and and that sounds rude, but but I was saying I, I was saying the fact is is there's a multitude of things I could be doing. I want to be here because I want you to know that I care. I want you to know that I'm here. I'm not miserable. I'm doing exactly what I want to do and saying no to all those things because of you. And I think you've got to say that to them enough times where they understand that and I've found that sometimes my kids, as they've, as they've gotten older, they'll say thank you for coming to things that they used to not say thank you, because I think they're aware of the fact that we're making choices. Yeah, yeah. and the choices that we make communicate what's most important, and those choices are made manifest in and through my presence bodily with somebody else. So you can't. You know, like Stephanie used to say earlier on, you can't just well, there's say a, I love you and not be there. There's degrees of there's important differences between what I want to do, right? What I have to do, and what I should be doing. And what you should be doing is, say, being at your child's baseball game. You and, know, you like you make you know that as a parent that this is where I should be in that moment. It may not be where I want to be, but it's not where I have to be it's not like you know right. this crushing yeah, obligation distinction but it's where i should be because of my office and my vocation as parent well i think john paul ii and i'm gonna butcher this but i think what he says exactly speaks to your those three you know what, what i what i could be doing among multiple of things what i have to do and then what i should be doing I don't know if there's a different. I mean, there's obligations, but the bottom line is, I remember him. I need to find this quote, but he talks about the fact that true happiness is found when, when we're doing what we want to do, when we're doing what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. When those two interlock, mm-hmm. when we're willing that which we should and saying that's the best, that's when we're truly happy. It's the, the, the lack of happiness comes from, again, it's kind of like if you don't make this your own and you're just saying, okay, I'm going to get up and say, okay, I'm getting up to hug you. Yeah. Welcome home. No, <laughs> see you later. It can get to where you're just, you're doing it. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's kind of like the church, you know, we get up and we, we kneel at certain points. We stand at certain points. If we're not thinking about why we're kneeling and standing during mass and it's not becoming part of our heart, then we're just going through the motions. We're following the rules. Mm-hmm. But the rules are there to help us become aware of when we stand, okay, Jesus' word is about to be read. I mean, what he said is about to be read. When we kneel, he's about to become present sacramentally, body, blood, soul, and divinity in, in that. Same thing here. Those things have got to connect what we believe. When the person walks in the room, it's got to be 
there's Jesus to me right now. I'm honoring him by honoring you. Right. What I should be doing is doing exactly that. And I want to do it. You know, that's why the the obligation, you know, it's a Sunday obligation. They stopped here for a while saying it's the Sunday opportunity. Well, opportunity and obligation should go together. It shouldn't be like, I have to go to church, but I really don't want to go to church. I mean, ultimately, our happiness is found in all of those lining up together. And I think that's what the challenge is. But you have to start with, and the church is in, its, in her wisdom is saying, at a minimum, we can learn. We stand at certain points. We kneel at certain points, recognizing what's going on, right? Yeah. And so there's they go they go hand in hand, just as long as we can help make those connections. I'm at your baseball game because I love you. <laughs> so let's go out on this, Dre. There's an obligation that you'll you will have fulfilled this weekend. By the time people are hearing that, and this is graduation, any, what do you think the special, what's the, what's the special significance of graduation oh, time man, for a parent? Well, I think, I mean, it's, it, it's a, it's an exciting time. It's a, it's a sad time. It's kind of a, it's a culmination of certain sense. You know, you've poured all this, I mean, if you've done it actively and consciously, you, you've poured it all into a person and you're now saying, okay, now it's in this moment, there's something about you now need to move on. And that's a little scary as a parent, but, but at the same time, it's exactly what you're preparing him for. We've always told our kids, you, we're raising you so that you can leave here mm-hmm. and be successful, happy, productive, kind people going out. Yep. So anyway, it's, I know we're drawn to an end, but I'm, I'm grateful for all my kids and, and hopefully they've uh, learned something from us. But so do we have a, I, you know, I was thinking about a verse, but but I but I think I've lost it. So we're we're at the end. Okay, uh, we'll do it another time. But but anyway, remember, um, parent with purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. I forgot that I missed my wife. God bless y'all. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood.